You're listening to Life Repurposed with Michelle Rayburn, where you'll find uplifting and practical advice for everyday living, creative inspiration for do-it-yourself projects, and recommendations for books and resources that will encourage you to embrace your life repurposed. I'm your host, Michelle Rayburn. Welcome to episode number 19 of the Life Repurposed podcast. You can probably tell if you're watching the video that I have a guest today. And if you are listening on audio, I hope that you take some notes or go to the blog so that you can get more of the information that we're going to talk about today, because I am going to share some links that you're going to want to have. So my guest this time on episode number 19 is Courtney Ellis. And we connected by Twitter, which I think is really fun. Courtney reached out to me and we started a conversation. And um, Courtney, what was the thing that you introduced yourself with that we had in common? Do you remember? Yeah, I was like, I think you're from Wisconsin. Yeah. Go go Badgers. Yeah, go Packers, go Brewers, all that stuff. Yeah, so Courtney does not live in Wisconsin anymore, but she still considers herself a Wisconsin girl. She's a pastor, a speaker, an author. We're going to be talking about her books, and I'm going to tell you right now, we already, I already knew I had enough content for two episodes, so I'm going to have Courtney back again. So if you don't get enough in this episode, and we only touch on something, uh, you can actually send me an email, and I will forward it to Courtney if you want to hear a little bit more. We don't talk about it, but there will be another episode. So Courtney, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a misplaced Wisconsinite. <laughs> so I grew up in Eagle River, Wisconsin with the beautiful lakes and trees, and now I live with my family in Southern California. Uh, my husband was born and raised in Burbank, and so uh, oh. I think my family was, oh, when I married him, like, you might end up in California. And first they were sad, and now they visit us every winter, <laughs> yes. and they're really happy. So it's worked out for all of us. Um, but I'm a writer, I'm a speaker, I'm the pastor at Presbyterian Church of the Master in Mission Viejo, California, alongside my husband, Daryl. We are co-pastors, and I've written a couple books, and I have three kids. They are seven and three and a half and ten months. And wow. So we are in, in it right now. <laughs> yeah, and I would imagine that being in co-ministry together is an adventure and gives you all kinds of material. It is, man. So much material. And we really thought about it before we, we signed up to do it. And we, we called some friends who have been co-pastors for many years in Washington, D.C. And they said, you know what, like, if you can work well together, it's awesome. But you just have to make sure you have an agreement between the two of you that whoever was home with the kids that day, they had the harder day. Like, do not complain about your meeting. No one pooped on the floor of your meeting. <laughs> so true. Ministry is, is hard sometimes, but it's in a different way than the daily grind of, of parenting. So. so true. And I've been reading Courtney's book and she has all kinds of awesome material. And if she made you laugh in that moment, her book is going to make you laugh too. So in our first interview together, we're going to be talking about Uncluttered and I'm going to hold up the cover here. Uncluttered, free your space, free your schedule, free your soul. So, Courtney, what brought you to a point where you decided you needed to unclutter? I think 
think change is, is really hard for us to come to a point of pain. And that point of pain for me was just feeling so overwhelmed with almost every area of my life. It was the physical clutter. We had too mm. much stuff. We'd moved from Wisconsin where we had a basement and a big garage into this tiny condo in California for double the rent. Right. <laughs> crazy. <laughs> uh, and we brought most of Yeah. And, and so we were drowning in stuff and, but it wasn't just that it was that our schedule was packed to the brim and it was packed Mm -hmm. with really good things, but too much of a good thing is, is suddenly a bad thing. So Mm -hmm. it was the schedule, it was the possessions. And it was also, um, our digital devices. We found out both Daryl and I were kind of running our lives rather than the other way around. Mm -hmm. So I came to a point of being so overwhelmed and I I sat with my, my Bible study small group one night and I said, it's just too much. It is all too much. And my friend in the small group who's a, who's a lawyer and likes details, she was like, what exactly is too much? And I was like, everything, everything is too much. And so we had to find a new path. And, and God was really gracious and helped us to start learning how to open up our clenched fists and let some of those things go. I think that's amazing because as a fellow author, I know how, what it feels like to have too much to do, even when it comes to promoting a book or making sure you're interacting on social media with people or doing interviews like we're doing right now. This is all part of being an author and connecting with your audience. And yet there does come a point where you have to have some boundaries. So what struggles did you have when you had to make some of those choices? One of the hardest things for me was just learning how to say no. Um, I think as a Christian and as a woman, we're, we're often kind of conditioned to say yes, Mm -hmm. uh, because yes makes people happy. It's so great to say yes to things, right? Like, will you teach this class? Like, sure. Yeah. On the bake sale. How about the PTA? We're like, yes, yes, yes. And yes makes people so happy. But I was yesing myself to the point of burnout and I had to relearn this whole vocabulary. I had to relearn that saying no isn't unkind. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to say no so that you can actually say a true yes at some mm-hmm. point. And it really, it coalesced for me in this one day I was, I was, um, dropping my son off at preschool who was then about three and a half years old. I was pregnant with our second son and I was due in a couple weeks. So I was like, I couldn't even see my feet and his preschool teacher handed me a clipboard and she said, you guys are the only ones who didn't sign up yet to take the preschool <laughs> bird home. And I'm like, oh, okay, we'll take the bird home. And I look at this clipboard and the only slot open is most of the slots are for a weekend, two or three days. The only slot open is the 10 day spring break, which is also my due date. (laughs) I'm like, oh, oh, okay. Well, and in that moment, my unborn son kicked me in the lungs and I dropped the pen and I was like, I'll I'll, I'll get back to you on Monday. And I went home and I told my husband, Daryl, we have to take the bird home during my due date, just so you know. And he goes, no, we're, that's not happening. He was like, no, we have to. We have to. Everyone has to take the bird home. And he goes, you didn't make the preschool get a bird. This is not our deal. Tell them no. And I had this moment of, oh my goodness, I could tell them no. Right. And, and the bird could live because we're going to forget to feed it. I'm having a baby. Right. And I went back and I told her no. And I felt terrible. And she looked at me and she was like, oh my goodness, like I shouldn't have even asked you. Obviously, you have too much going on, and the mom in line behind me was like, "We'll take the bird. We love the bird. We just wanted to give you a chance." And so I had to relearn how do you say no? You can right. say my full. You can say I've taken on all the commitments I can. You can say I have to pray about it, but beginning to say no so that I could say mm-hmm. yes. Having yes. a baby, right? It was a big thing. Right. We don't say like, "No, you don't really have to do that. Take the bird." That story really resonated with me. I'm laughing again. I I laughed when I read it in your book. It resonated with me because of what your husband said. 
I don't often think about it that way. Like I didn't give permission to that. You didn't give permission to the preschool to get the bird. So why should it be your responsibility to take it home for a week? So there are a lot of things we say yes to that I think are because someone else made a choice and didn't make it our choice. So that really was eye-opening for me. The other thing that spoke to me was when you were talking about your wardrobe and you talked about cleaning out your closet. And that's something I've talked about on the podcast, something I've been working on myself. And I've really, I've gotten rid of everything that I'm never going to wear again, or I wear it once and decide, no, I really didn't like it after all. So I throw it away in the Goodwill pile. <laughs> but you had an experiment you did with some colors. Tell us about that. I did. I did. I've, I've been a pastor for almost nine years now and still Lent sneaks up on me every year. I'm like, oh yeah, oh, it's Lent. And, and in our church denomination, I'm Presbyterian. Often we, we give up something for Lent and I'm always like, oh, what should I do? I don't know. Ah. And so one year I was really frustrated by um, getting dressed in the morning because some people are really into fashion and I'm just not one of them. If you can see the video, I have this like really short pixie cut and I just, Cute. I, I grew up in the woods. I like to wear hiking boots. This is what I like to wear. So um, fashion has always been a struggle for me. And I said, okay, for Lent this year, I'm just going to stop wearing colors. I'm going to wear black and white and denim because that's mostly what I have anyway and stop trying to figure out if coral goes with navy and if light blue goes with khaki and just making myself crazy every morning. And so I started this experiment and um, unlike the Lent where I gave up sugar one year, which I do not recommend because it made me so crabby. It was like, it was like bad for our marriage. Yeah. <laughs> like we're fighting. Like, this brownie. Um, this one magnetized me. And I found that I wasn't making 16 decisions before I even left the house in the morning. And mm -hmm. I had more energy to talk to Jesus and be a mom and be present right. to myself and I waited for someone to notice. I waited for someone to say something and nobody ever did. <laughs> no one really thinks about what you're wearing, right? It's not a big deal to them. And so at the end of Lent, I unpacked all of my colorful clothes and I wore this beautiful, colorful Easter dress. And then the next day I was like, you know what? Like, I don't want to go back. This is great. And so I kept a couple of happy dresses. You need a little color now and then, especially in the winter, but 95% of my wardrobe now is black, white, and denim. And it has changed my life. And for maybe for some of your listeners, that sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, they work outside a lot. So it might be denim and flannel. It might be <laughs> denim and brown or, or whatever it is. But it might be something else. It might be that they hate coming up with new recipes. Right. And they just we're going to cook these same 10 recipes almost every day. And once a month, we'll do something new. Like, how can you release yourself from an expectation that's holding you hostage and decisions mm -hmm. that are wearing you down that aren't life-giving to you? That's, that's part of the journey of, of Uncluttered, and it's really, it's changed my life. I can get dressed in the dark now. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, when you think about that, how I hadn't thought either how decisions were something that would clutter up. Like, somebody could have minimal possessions in their home and still have a cluttered life. That's essentially what you're saying, right? Yeah, clutter comes in a lot of different forms. And, and sometimes people will say, I didn't want to read your book because I'm not into the Marie Kondo thing. But it's, right. it's really about soul work. It's about, you know, what is filling you up other than God? Mm -hmm. What is filling you up other than the things that give you life? What is mm -hmm. draining your energy? Um, and how can you reclaim some of that? How can mm -hmm. you be the one who's steering the ship, you and God, rather mm -hmm. than marketing or commercials or society's expectations? Right. Um, such freedom for us. It really, it's, it's been a life changer. What emotions do people go through when they start to unclutter? 
Yeah, that's a big one. It's a big one. Um, we often don't keep possessions because we like them or use them. We keep them because they were given to us by someone we love or mm -hmm. there's nostalgia attached to them or we really might fit in our high school jeans again someday, right? <laughs> like that was one of the last things I was able to get rid of. I was like, it's denim. I can keep it. I'm like, I'm not going to be this size. <laughs> um, and so there can be a lot of, of memories and feelings that attach themselves to this, mm -hmm. these possessions. So um, I held on to this big, beautiful farmhouse dining room table for a really long time after we moved to California. And it made a lot of sense in the farmhouse where we lived. It made mm -hmm. no sense in a two-bedroom condo. <laughs> it took up the dining room and most of the living room. And there was nowhere to sit. And then I moved it into our one-car garage. And then there was nowhere to park. <laughs> I felt so guilty because it was my mother's. Like I sat at this table growing up. Like there were little paint stains on one of the chairs from my sisters and I doing our craft project. How could I get rid of this table? And finally, God was like, "Get rid of the table." Like mm -hmm. you know, I didn't hear him audibly speak, but it was pretty close. Like the table got to go. And I listened. I called my mom first of all and said, "I think the table has to go." And I felt so guilty. And she was like, "Yeah, I was wondering when you figure that out. It doesn't fit. Like, the table doesn't fit. It's okay." And I was like, well, "I wish you would have told me sooner." And then I put the table for sale online, and within five minutes, a pastor's wife wrote to me and she said, "This is the table we've needed for our yeah. ministry. It expands. We can host dinners here. Thank you so much. When can I pick it up?" And it, it was like the heavens opened, and God said, "Your burden is someone else's blessing. Yes. What else can you let go of? Yes. What else is in the way of you living in the way you want?" And and it it was so transformative for us to start thinking about what do we need in order to be the people God is calling us to be? Um, my husband and I talk about hospitality. It's a really big marital value for us, but we would invite people to stay and we'd say, here's our guest room. Let us move the, the exercise equipment and the classic Nintendo and the bin of Christmas decorations. No, really, we're so happy you're here. And that little room said, you're kind of in the way, like you're kind of a bother. And when we were able to get rid of those things, suddenly we're ready for guests whenever, right? Like, come, we have room for you. Here's a soft landing place. We're so glad you're here. And we realize that now our home is beginning to fit with the mission that God has called us to, rather yes. than being shoehorned in all of our stuff. Yes, that is awesome. So for the sake of those who are listening, as we move into our life repurpose section, we are going to be talking more about the spiritual impact and some of the things that Courtney saw change in her life as a result of uncluttering. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. about as she started to let go what changed for her but specifically what changed spiritually how the, how does uncluttering tie in with our spiritual walk I love that question I uncluttered is the first book I've written and one of the things that surprised me in writing it was as an author you don't have a lot of say in the cover they kind of send you some cover ideas and they sent this one and I was like you nailed it like you nailed it it's the, the one little balloon yeah, the balloons are going up. It's it's mm -hmm. like this this is the spiritual representation to to the book is this idea that 
when we start to follow God and open our hands to him, our mm-hmm. souls just start to lift. Mm-hmm. There's, there's release from all these burdens and weights of, of the clutter that holds us down and suddenly we, we soar. And, and so I love that they put that on the cover, but spiritually what starts to change is um, our lives open up to greater hope and greater trust and greater faith because often we cling to things because we're like, if I don't hold on to this, maybe God won't take care of me and I've got to make sure I'm prepared for everything. And time and time again in scripture, we see God saying like, no, trust me, like trust me tomorrow. Trust me the day after. I love the story of, of the children wandering in the wilderness in Exodus, the, the children of Israel, they're, they're wandering and Moses says, okay, we know you're hungry. God knows you're hungry. Bread is going to fall from heaven. It's going to fall from heaven and there's going to be enough for everyone. Just take enough for today. And some of them do. And some of them take enough for today and tomorrow and the day after. And they wake up the next day and they're like, what is that smell? Like it's rotten bread. And God is like, yes, because you only need enough for today. It's daily bread. It's daily nourishment. And so spiritually, I had to start trusting God with that, that it wasn't about me making sure my schedule was so full. I had no time to, to feel any of the the heaviness that God might need to deal with in me mm-hmm. or the sadness or the, the Sabbath rest. It wasn't mm-hmm. about me having nine jackets just in case Southern California turned into a tundra. <laughs> yeah. It was about me trusting God with every area of my life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know this as someone who writes books and markets books to sign off from social media for a season is really terrifying mm-hmm. because that's the job. Um, but God was like, no, like you need to be serious about Sabbath. You need to, sign off of your, of your cell phone, of your social media, of your computer once a week and once a year for longer than that. And scary thing to do, right? That's part of your job. But God is like, I'm going to provide, I'm going to care for you. If you need to see that social thing on media, that thing on social media, it will be here tomorrow or a week from now or at the end of Lent or whenever you log back on. Yeah, that is something that I'm really working on. In fact, uh, last episode, episode 18 of my podcast was about Sabbath because it is something that I've been really convicted of. I have a lot of things going on right now with my own writing and the clients I work with, and I love what I do. And so sometimes I just keep going because it's not drudgery. I just keep moving and I keep doing things and it's doing, doing. And I realized it had spilled over into Sundays and we were leading a Bible study on Sunday, which was a good thing, but also um, taking Sabbath away from us. My husband's in camp ministry, and I don't think I've really talked about that much on podcast episodes, but um, he works a lot of weekends because people come for their own retreats and their own Sabbath, just like you as a husband and wife pastor, your Sunday, or if you have Saturday services, this is not a Sabbath for your family. And we had good intentions of, okay, we'll just pick another day of the week and that will be our day. And it didn't happen. So we've reclaimed Sunday afternoon and evening as our time. And I made a commitment to not open my laptop. So if I want to mess with my phone and catch up on what friends are doing on social media, um, but I'm not opening my laptop to do client work or answer their emails. So how has Sabbath, because this is a new, this is a practice that you've made a habit in your life, correct? Even though you preach on Sundays. So tell me how that has changed you and your family. 
yeah, Sabbath is everything. It really, it really is everything. It's this wonderful hard reset once a week. And it's the repeated regularity of it that really starts to make the biggest difference because, you know, we do that too. And we, mm. we had an all day mandatory presbytery training event on our last Sabbath. And, mm. you know, we, we go into the next week and we're like, I'm <laughs> <laughs> yes. tired and we're dragging. Um, but we've made Sabbath a habit. We do, we do what you do and we, we stay off of the computers and we have a, we have a no screen rule except for the kids mm. and the kids get basically no screen time all week, but Sabbath morning, they get to watch a movie and we get to sleep in. And that is a beautiful <laughs> thing, right? So we're like, Lion King? Yes, on it. Charlotte's Web? On it. Um, and they get donuts. Uh, but we start with that celebration where, because they get so little screen time, it's so exciting for them and they get their donut and they get their show and, and Daryl and I get you know, an hour in bed together where we just, we have a book or we're unconscious and it's yep. glorious. Um, <laughs> but I love Eugene Peterson's definition of Sabbath, which is mm -hmm. that it's a day for praying and playing. So those soul restoring activities, we go for a walk or we play mm -hmm. a sport or we hang out with the neighbors in the cul-de-sac, but it's, it takes away those heavy lifts that social media and the marketing and the sermon preparation mm -hmm. and you know, I try to have everything ready for the kids on Saturday. So I'm not packing lunches because I hate packing lunches <laughs> and I'm not doing heavy food prep because I do that the rest of the week. And so mm -hmm. sometimes that's in and out burger or that's a pizza, but it's this opportunity to remember that we are not what we do, that right. we are the Lord's and that the work is the Lord's. And you know, with young kids, that means by the end of Sabbath, the house is a mess. Like the mm -hmm. house is a mess because we've been living in it and I haven't been cleaning it up. Um, <laughs> just to remember that the work will always remain unfinished mm -hmm. because we're humans in a fallen world and to just trust God with the next day. And it really has changed our life. We, we go through a patch of, um, Eugene Peterson calls it Sabbath sickness mm -hmm. at the beginning of the day because we're not constantly dialed in to all the pings and mm -hmm. tweets and like and we almost feel like we have the flu, like we're cranky and we're mm -hmm. irritable. And by the end of the day, that has all lifted. And there's this sense that like, gosh, we couldn't make it. We couldn't mm -hmm. make it without Sabbath. Like, thank you, Jesus, for another day of rest. Um, it's really a game changer. And I love that, you know, you said you, you guys take Sunday afternoon and evening because sometimes in some seasons, the full day doesn't work. We take Fridays, mm -hmm. but my youngest just started or my oldest just started going to to school and so now it's two o'clock on friday when we get him to two o'clock on saturday <laughs> right you've got to make it work for you but the key is that repeated regular consistency that makes right. the biggest difference yeah when i got out of that habit i i just felt it i thought i'm gonna have a breakdown if we don't change something it <laughs> it's just recharges you know when i was a kid growing up in a christian family um, it was always, you know, we didn't, we didn't really play either on Sunday. It was more napping and reading books. And so as an adult, I've made my own rules because really if God gave us the Sabbath as a way of recharging. And so if um, going for a walk in the woods recharges one person and going to a water park recharges another, I mean, it's like, you know, I, I think we have to know what, what really feeds us. So as you've uncluttered, you set aside time for Sabbath, um, there was, um, oh, one question that I had, is your journey to a clutter-free life ever completely over? Yes, I've arrived. Yeah. <laughs> we were all waiting for that because we thought if, you know, if one person arrived, the rest of us could too, right? Oh, 
totally. Yes, I've solved it. I've solved it all. No, I think that's part of the challenge is we need stuff to live and, you know, our bodies change shape and then we need new clothes or mm -hmm. we move to a new place and now we need winter jackets. Right. And I have young kids right now, so they're constantly in these stages of growing into and out of things and, you know, you really need a giant baby bathtub until you don't anymore three mm -hmm. months later. So it is just this constant cycle and mm -hmm. that's actually grace because if we ever did arrive, like I'm perfectly uncluttered, that makes it about us and about pride and not right. about this constant dependent relationship on God. So to be able to say like, God, you know, the schedule clutter is creeping back in. My yeah. husband and I had this conversation again just a couple of days ago. We said, we're feeling it. We both start to feel it like right here, like, uh-huh. sit down and be really ruthless again and say no to absolutely everything and it's hard because we're saying no to great things mm -hmm. like dinner with people we love and and hanging out with us that we really miss um but we have to start again and we have yeah. to start again and that is god's way of keeping us in tune with him that's that's love that's a love relationship often what we want is to hoard the manna and god is like no come back tomorrow <laughs> like you're gonna need it and there are continually new digital developments and new mm -hmm. technologies that we need to learn how to use mm -hmm. and uh, you know we're using all of these things that have not been studied for long, right? Like, right. <laughs> 2,000 years of, of beautiful writings from the church mothers and fathers on how to pray and spiritual practices. And we have cell phones that have been around for like 12 years, like a minute. They've been around for a minute. <laughs> so it's this constantly back to God and say, is this life giving? Is this yeah. making me the person that you want me to be? Or is it changing me in ways that aren't, that aren't good? Is it close? cluttering my soul and if so how do I change those are great yeah, questions to ask that's awesome yeah. thank you and for those of you who are listening in or watching uh, if you want more of this content, I want you to go to CourtneyEllis.com and check out Courtney's website and look at what Courtney she's posted there Ellis. oh CourtneyEllis.com CourtneyEllis.com when I registered my website was a lingerie model so don't go there that is not me thank you I did not write it down with the initial in there all right good thing I will put the actual link in the show notes on my blog so that you can get on the right website for Courtney Ellis uh, stay tuned we're going to be talking about her book as we wrap up this episode So I always like to share resources with my readers and listeners, and uh, Courtney sent me a copy of two of her books. We're talking about Uncluttered right now. Um, this is really a practical guide, but what I really like about it is that Courtney also inserts a lot of humor, and so I like that because that speaks my language. Anything that is too serious, too buttoned up, it sounds like rules to me, and then I don't want to follow the rules. And so by making it sort of playful and fun, and by also bringing us along on her journey of the ups and downs, it makes me feel like I could be friends with Courtney, and I, I would invite you over even if my house was cluttered. I don't feel like you would judge me for being wherever I am in my journey. And that's beautiful because um, sometimes people who are working on clutter can't stand friends who are still working on their clutter. And isn't that really what life is about where we are really about wherever we are supporting and loving one another. So tell us a little bit more about your book and tell us what the main takeaway that you want your readers to have from it is. Yeah, I think the main takeaway I want is that this book is just, it's an invitation. It's not a how-to book. Sometimes I get put in the how-to section and I'm like, uh -huh. no, it is not a how-to <laughs> book. It's, 
it's a book of these are some things that have worked for me and make them work for you or don't, but I'm on this journey with you. So it's this invitation to living a life of, of greater simplicity because that's where the good life is. It's letting go of the things we cling to so that God can fill us with more of himself. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's an invitation. It's a journey. Um, it's funny because my life is a comedy. That's just kind of, that's the real, that's the real story. It's not interest perfection over here. Uh, it's, it's real and it's messy, um, but that's where God meets us. Yeah. So the, the goal of the book is that you would feel your, your soul lifted like the balloons on the cover and exactly. find that God loves you in the mess and he loves you so much. He wants to help help lift you out of the the clutter that you're in. Yes. Yes. So I'm going to have a link on the show notes. That'll be at michellerayburn.com slash 19. And you'll be able to click on the link and find Courtney's website and also find her book. And I encourage you to buy one for you and get one for a friend as well. As we wrap up, Courtney, do you have any other words about Uncluttered that you'd like to share? Uh, no, just that if you don't want more books for yourself, it's on Audible as well. Yeah. <laughs> you can listen to it online. I recorded it at almost nine months pregnant. So Oh, so you did the audio yourself. <laughs> I love yeah. it when authors read their books. <laughs> it was like a dream for me. I was so excited to get to do it. I grew up listening to like Adventures in Odyssey. Radio oh, drama. my kids did too. <laughs> They're still fans. They're adults. Yeah. For sure. For sure. <laughs> yeah. So did you add a little drama in? Little, do you have any sound effects in your book to go, you know, with the Adventures in Odyssey theme? There are places where I do voices, like I do my Daryl impression. So Okay, like. now I really want to get the Audible book. <laughs> All right, well, thank you for joining me for this episode. For those who are listening, um, stay tuned for another episode that's going to be coming in a few weeks. So if you didn't get enough of Courtney, there will be more. So thank you for joining me for Life Repurposed. You've been listening to Life Repurposed with Michelle Rayburn. Check out tips, resources, and inspiration at michellerayburn.com.